shape our bargaining platform and the bargaining that we're doing. Um, it is so powerful that when at the bargaining table, our bargaining team is there and they're looking across that district management's team, um, they also oftentimes see behind all of those educators bar at the bargaining table tons of parents, teachers, students there engaged, um, showing solidarity because this is about fighting for our community. So how can our listeners keep in touch, uh, especially if they want to get involved in solidarity actions? Great question, Jamie. So one thing you can do is sign the petition that we have up on our PAT website. You can find it if you just Google Portland Association of Teachers, Portland, Oregon, it'll come up and you'll see the petition on there. You can also, we made a bit.ly. So, so it's, if you want to type it in and go straight there, you can go to bit.ly backslash PAT support. And by signing that petition, you're also signing up for some email updates that we send out to community members, and you will get information on how you can be part of this work in the Portland Teacher Strike Ready Coalition. Wraps it up for this evening's show. We've been listening to Tiffany Koyama Lane and Matt Reed of the Portland Association of Teachers. I'm Jamie Partridge. This is Labor Radio. This Monday and every Monday at 6 p.m. Stay tuned for Prison Pipeline. to Prison Pipeline here on KBOO Community Radio. Uh, tonight we're talking with Kirk Charlton. Um, Kirk has been on the show before and does uh, is an artist and also advocates for folks coming out of prison um, and uh, relates some of those stories to his own experiences. So, uh, Kirk, welcome back to Prison Pipeline. It's been about a year, I think, or a little more. Yeah, yeah, it's been about a year. Yeah, you. How did your show go last year over at uh, PCC? Uh, the Paragon was was great, and uh, and then I just did one at the Portland Northwest College of Arts last month. So, oh, cool! You did show PNCA. Awesome. Can you talk a little right. bit about? Well, let's okay. Let's just reintroduce everyone to you first, Kirk, just so people uh, know a little bit about you and who you are. So let's just start. First of all, who are you, Kirk, and uh, 
And uh, tell us a bit about your life. Yeah, I'm Kirk Charlton, and wow, it seems like I've got a good cautionary story to tell um, because I uh, I uh, I was born in Hawaii and I moved to New York and you know my parents moved and then we went back to Hawaii so I bounced around and went to four different high schools uh, before I graduated and then uh, just started getting in trouble you know, at a pretty young age um, and it, now I realize that it was something that uh, that happened to me when I was a kid that uh you know, I can't put all the blame on it uh, for that. But, uh, yeah, we all go through something when we're a kid, and it depends on how we get over it, I suppose. But uh, um, went to prison for quite a while. I did 25 years altogether. And, uh, but I made a transformation, a genuine change uh, in my last, uh, my last set. And then developed a program, uh, Art Inside Out, while I was incarcerated and really the whole program was was at the right time for me to create my I was creating better life and I was creating art at the same time and so it just gelled together and yeah they uh, implemented it while I was there so kind of an, an anomaly for sure but uh, yeah it's a good program it's a great program so Kirk um, yeah let's go back just a little bit so when when you first went into prison where did you where did you go in? Was it here in Oregon or was it out of state? And why did you first initially go? Yeah. So I, I, uh, stole a car when I was pretty young and, and then I, uh, and that was in New York. So I did, I did a little bit of time, like 16 months, I think, but I got off in 12 for good behavior and, and all that stuff. But that's the first time I've done time in, in upstate New York. So, and, uh, and then all of my crimes after that were robberies. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't really have any. I got a UUMV and a, and a bunch of robberies. So, and how did how did you end up in Oregon? You know, we were living in New York, and at the time, I really felt like we had a great family. Like uh, a lot of the TV shows back in the late '60s, were, you know, you had this family intact. You had a cat and a dog and a bird and all this stuff, and and I had my brother and six sister but uh you know i would hear my parents argue at night and then it just got worse and worse and then and then one day my dad said okay we're going to move back to hawaii because we always wanted to you know my mom was like a fish out of water in upstate new york and uh so he sent my sister and my brother first and he kept me for a little while and then we were supposed to wrap things up and go go back to hawaii but he put he left me on the plane man he left me he uh we got on the plane and he said you're the man of the house now. And I was eight years old, so pretty tough for me. I mean, people go through a lot worse, I understand, but. So your dad left you when you were eight? Yeah. 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 In dramatic fashion, I would say. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, and then my mom remarried to uh, my stepdad, and uh, we moved to Oregon. He was originally from Newburgh, McMinnville area. So, uh, so you're basically so from here. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. That's cool. And so your last, your last stint of time you did Kirk, um, how long did you do and where did you do it? Okay. So my last bid I did in the state, um, and I was at EOCI for the majority of the time. And then okay. I went to 
Salem to a minimum camp at the tail end there. Yeah. So, oh, great. And how long have you been out now? Well, I've been out uh, almost four years. This November will be four years. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. So let's talk about yeah, you. let's great. talk about your art and let's talk about some of the developments in the program. Um, just to kind of recap, I'd, I'd like to just do a little bit of recap of stuff that we've talked about before, just for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar mm-hmm. with it. Um, so first, let's let's talk about your history as an artist. Um, when did you start making art, Kirk? Well, you know, I remember uh, the day I was called an artist. I was six years old. We were in upstate New York. Parents were out uh, out and about, and they left me and my sister and my brother at my grandmother's house. And I was always doodling. I always I was one of those kids that had all the crayons spread on the floor, you know, and my legs kicked up behind me and tongue sticking out and just really getting into my uh, coloring. And then I, I remember thinking you know, who made these lines that I'm coloring in, in between, you know, I'm so worried about going past them or up to them and all that. And so I started sketching a little bit and I drew a horse being stung by a bee. And then I gave it to my grandmother. I thought, wow, you know, she, she probably appreciate it. And she could have said a lot of things, you know, like, Oh, this is great or whatever. But her eyes got, man, like they were like, they got huge. And she said, Kirk, Kirk, this is wonderful. This is amazing. This is unbelievable. I'm going to hang it on the refrigerator and I want you to draw me something else. And she called me an artist and you really got to watch what you say to kids because they can run with it. So, <laughs> Especially uh, your grandma. I, yeah, your grandma yeah. is totally going to make you an artist. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I was doing art before I went to the joint and quite a bit. So yeah did you did but, you do art like in did you do art in high school did you take any any art classes in high school you know funny thing in in new york where i graduated uh i actually got kicked out of art i don't even remember what the what the deal was on that but um i think i was just goofing around a lot but uh you know when i was in newburgh high school i was doing a lot of some of the murals in the weight room and stuff like that so oh wow um yeah. Uh-huh. But uh yeah, art gives you back. Art loves you back. You know, if you love art, it it uh it uh definitely loves you back cuz yeah. You know, so many benefits from just drawing anything, really. Therapeutic benefits, so. And and let's talk a little bit about your art since this is radio. I'm going to try to help our listeners kind of understand like in their imagination if they could see your art what would they be seeing so um like first of all let's talk about what what kind of mediums do you like to work in are you a painter do you like to draw pictures do you work with pencils mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well uh, you know i draw really good uh you know i'm not bragging about it but i, I believe that drawing is the key it's the fountain it's the you know, you can learn how to, you can learn how to, how to, uh, I mean, you don't need to know how to paint to draw, you know, but you should learn how to paint or how to draw to learn how to paint. It's a, 
it's like the piano and music kind of in a way. So, um, so, you know, I do a lot of graphite stuff, but I can paint in any medium, watercolor, oil, acrylic, and, uh, the like, and I airbrush really good. And, and, uh, I like doing large scale murals, uh, with the, uh, Trompe-Ploy effect, which means to, to deceive the eye kind of thing. So you put stairs in there and, you know, from a, from the right spot, it'll seem like there were actually stairs there. And, and, uh, and then I teach art, you know, there's art really goes in a couple of different directions. It goes into the aesthetics part where it makes things, you know, beautiful and, and that kind of thing. But it also goes into the utility utilitarian the the useful part um where people can teach art and and that kind of thing so you got to work both sides to not be a um you know an artist that doesn't make money <laughs> so, so uh, i think so one of the things i've noticed on the inside i mean i haven't spent nearly as much time on the inside as you have because i'm just a volunteer I just go in as a volunteer. So, but one of the things Thank I've noticed, yeah, one of the things I've noticed though, pretty regularly when I go in, is that people who have some kind of artistic or creative skill are definitely highly valued within um, correctional institutions. And they're really valued. It's not yeah. so much that they're specifically valued by the administration, but they're definitely valued by other people who are incarcerated. Because, like, for instance, if you know how to teach music or if you can teach painting, like, people really, those are skills that people really want to learn how to do. They want to learn how to be able to express themselves. And when you're, when you're stuck inside, you know, when you're stuck inside one of these institutions, a lot of time to do that's one of the ways of you know staying staying alive honestly you know is just being able to connect with that create creativity so could you talk about that yeah you know I, I i feel very fortunate that that i'm an artist uh, for a lot of reasons but particularly when i'm hurt yeah you're right uh you get uh um, you, you tend to be popular uh, within the unit because you're making cards for their kids. You're making, you know, you're doing portraits and and that kind of thing. And and uh, and uh, so, but uh, the art, uh, just if you just follow a project, Emma, you know, from this idea that I'm going to uh, make a birthday card for my daughter. You know, so that that's a great feeling in and of itself. And then, and then, you know, I try to get guys to do their own cards, you know, make their own cards for their own personal touch. But, you know, and then you get the materials for the card. And, you know, that's a good feeling because it's not always easy to get that, you know. And, uh, and then you, you know, you send it to her and she loves it. She hangs it on the wall and it just keeps, keeps going. But, you know, being an artist in prison, uh, you can you can be an artist in prison. You know, if you were if your trade was a, you know, an airplane mechanic or something, or or most everything, uh, other occupations. You know, you're not going to have the opportunity to to work on it and stuff. So, but I could go on and on about the just the benefits uh, from creating. They're 
you know, the tacit, you don't even realize it, but you're, you know, you're accomplishing something and that's a good feeling. You're, uh, um, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, but particularly in prison. Yeah. You're, you got it going on a little bit as they say, you know? So, you know, for, for myself as an artist, um, whatever I want to make, it's really easy for me. I have access to, to oil paints, to brushes, to palette knives, to pencils, to graphite, you know, just anything I need. If, if I need to get it and I'm willing to work and get the material, I can do that. But in prison, there's a lot of restrictions on what you can do. Can you talk a little bit about navigating that space of being able to produce art when you're inside of a correctional facility? Like, what are some of the things that are a little different from, say, being in your studio in Portland? Wow. Yeah, you know, uh, so I went to the whole DSU, Disciplinary uh, Segregation Unit, um, a bunch of times when I first started doing time. But so I would draw on the back of a kite, an inmate communication form, you know, and, and uh, back then we got these little golf pencils that we could we could use. So, you know, he couldn't really sharpen it if it got dull. So you had to kind of figure out a strategy I bet, on that. I bet you and, I bet you were able to figure out a way to sharpen it. Uh, yeah, just go to the floor with it, you know, on the concrete. Yeah. Uh, you can do uh -huh. it that way. But, uh, that yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but the just, you know, guys can't go to the can't go to Michael's. You can't go to these art stores and get supplies. Uh, for one, you can't leave the institution, obviously. But um, there's a lot of restrictions on, you know, uh, airbrush paint, for instance. They could use that to for colored ink um, to do tattoos and stuff. Uh, they've done it before. So and it's group punishment. You know, one guy gets caught with that. So then we take all the, you know, art supplies off of for whatever he did so but when i was in the feds emma you couldn't have anything you know they didn't have regular guitar strings they had nylon strings and and uh we didn't we couldn't have a drum set when we were playing music but particularly if you were painting uh you couldn't paint outside of this this paint room that they had out by the rec department and it was just overkill on you know shaking us down on the way in and out and stuff like that so but guys find a way, you know. Now, one of the things I would have thought that people do a lot of um, inside is 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 tattoos. I was always under the impression it was pretty oh, yeah. like having the kind of skill that you would have would be really valuable um, inside for doing tattoos. But is it is it is it pretty easy to get tattoos done while you're in a correctional facility, or, or do they put a lot of restrictions on that? Well, they do, and but they kind of know what's going on. You know, how are they going to stop that? Because guys will, you know, they'll find a way type thing. But, you know, I was tattooing for a while, but I realized that just drawing the pattern that they're going to use, that the, that the tattoo artist is going to use, that's the key to the whole thing. So I would just get, I would charge for the pattern. You know, I would say, hey, I'll draw this for you. Find somebody else to tat it on you. And, and uh, plus, I don't think I was that good at tattooing it was too uh i don't know I, I just didn't like it that much you couldn't free freehand as well as as uh and no erasing for sure so 
but we can make soot. We can make the uh, tattoo ink. Um, we can do that. We can find a motor. Uh, you remember the CD players, the small <laughs> CD players? Yeah. <laughs> get get the motor out of that. Oh my gosh. So, uh, and then you got to keep, you know, when you're, when you're getting a tattoo done, you got to have, I mean, it's so uncomfortable depending on where you're at, but I tattooed on a guy and he had to stand at the bars and look, watch for the cop the whole time, you know? And, yeah. but I got a bunch of tattoos. I wish I would have, uh, thought about it a little bit more. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> a little more selective. <laughs> yeah. So now you're, you've been out for four years. You've had these shows really know about you and you have this program and you're going back in so what's going on these days with art uh, with with your program yeah art inside out it's a it's a novel program it's it's a new approach to 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 helping the guys and gals that are incarcerated i uh am very very excited particularly now uh because the department of corrections is buying these books that i that I wrote called the self-directed inside out. So, you know, the program, uh, we have the in-class program. We haven't gotten that into the institutions yet. Uh, it's super slow motion getting that done, but we will pretty soon. We made a lot of inroads there, but, but the, uh, self-directed book, uh, we, that we got published is essentially art inside out, but it's for the people that can't participate in in-class programs. So, either they're protective custody or they're they're in the hole or that type of thing. And often these people don't get the program, you know, and then some people are just antisocial and don't want to be in a classroom for whatever reason. So uh, I wrote it because the guys in DSU wanted to be a part of the program. And uh, so we just kind of started from there. What is DSU? I tell you, what is disciplinary segregation unit. Okay. Right. It's the jail, of, the jail of the jail. Oh, sure, sure. Is, was it a specific facility or just in general? Well, we we went into DSU at EOCI, and okay. uh, they built these chairs for the guys to sit in, and and you, you're shackled to the chair, and and uh, yeah, you know we do we do three things in Art Inside Out. We do art. We have. Uh, great lessons we talk about art history famous artists uh different styles of art you know kind of bring the world of art to to guys and and gals but uh because that prison you know the prison drawings are, are always you know you see a lot of skulls and that kind of stuff you know and that's cool yeah. but uh there's more to art obviously and uh we have these fun exercises where we will walk like our favorite color or we'll draw with their eyes closed and that kind of thing. Oh, that's good. Um, and their purpose. Yeah. And they're purposeful, you know, they, they're, you know, when you draw with your eyes closed, that's the kind of concentration you want to have when you're drawing with your eyes open, because you, you, you tend to concentrate a little bit more when your eyes are closed, you know? So there's yeah. that kind of thing. And then the second thing we do is we go over my writings on the connections between art and life. So when I was creating a better life, Emma, I was also trying to make my art better, right? And I, and I saw these parallels and these connections that were happening, and I started writing notes. But, you know, the word sufficiency is, is one of the ones that we talk about in, in uh, Art Inside Out 1. 
Uh, there's 36 writings all together, but, uh, you know, the word sufficiency means having enough and you feel like you're en you're enough. You can get things done. You're, you got a good inner dialogue about yourself. Um, and it amazes me when I teach art that people would, will expect this magnificent painting in their first try, right? I mean, and so if they don't get there, which they don't, uh, their inner dialogue is, oh, I can't do this, or I suck, or all that stuff. So I always tell them to stay out of the area of perfection, because that's not right. Um, nor do you want to be in the area of lack of effort. You know, you really got to art to learn skill. You got to draw every day. You got to learn how to paint and all that stuff. So the area you want to be in when you're learning art is the area of sufficiency. And that's where you realize that after a lot of effort, you're going to get to where you want to be. And so isn't that how life is, you know, instead of perfection and wanting to look a certain way and, and uh, you know, be cool and all that stuff. You know, the area of sufficiency is where you want to be, you know, and, uh, and then you want to put a lot of effort into it. So, but that's just one of the 36 we have and uh, they're well received. And, uh, and then the third thing that we do in Art Inside Out is we have a dialogue, very informal, more listening than talking. Uh, we put the art supplies away and we'll talk about these words that we know the definitions of and we've used them many times, but we don't sit around and chat about kindness, uh, trust, forgiveness, uh, patience. Um, and, you know, we have 36 uh, separate ones there. Um, and it's really well received. You would think that uh, initially I thought it would, you know, guys, tough guys wouldn't want to uh, accept it or whatever. But uh, I think everybody down deep inside is a pretty damn good person. And, uh, you know, that we're a whole piece of pie and that one sliver of, of trouble we got in, you know, it's not, it's not that big of a piece, you know, what about the rest of the pie? And, and soon we had five times the amount of people on the waiting list for art inside out than all of the other programs combined at EOCI just having this empirical knowledge, Emma, to, to create this, uh, things really helped. I've been there. I know what guys want and I know what, uh, I know that art's popular. Uh, but my program works in all three phases of change, you know, pre-contemplative, contemplative, and action. A lot of the other programs work in the, in the, the contemplative and action phase. Um, but they don't suggest to guys that don't even think they're kind of screwed up, you know, walking around prison thinking, eh, I don't have to change, but you know, the art brings them into my, into my classes and then we pummel them really with positive dialogue. So. Yeah. So, how are things going with your program? Are you um, are you getting into <clears throat> are you getting into any institutions right now? Or if people would like to make a connection with you, um, I, I mean, how, how how do you get how do you get into programs? Well, the word for that is fortitude and patience, uh, because you know dealing with the Department of Corrections, even though I had some inroads because I had the class established, um, you know, I, I created a business. I, you know, I got to get paid now for it and uh, and that type of thing. So uh, it was looking pretty dismal for a little while, uh, particularly the in-class uh, program because of this COVID thing, you know, and, and, and all that. But uh, right now, uh, the behavioral health 
services of the Oregon Department of Corrections is buying the Art Inside Out book. I'm supposed to deliver it uh, oh, Tuesday to, o to OSP, and uh, and I'll actually leave. You know, <laughs> deliver it. So, so yeah, it's they, they can't. You know, I'm not boasting. I'm a I'm a humble guy, but this book or this program needs to get to get to people that are uh, looking out the window when they're in other programs and. Because when you're engaged in a piece of art, you know, that's the best time to insert positive dialogue. You're searching for information to make whatever you're creating the very best. And you're willing and open and you're Googling and you're searching. And that's the best time to pummel them with a the positive dialogue. The, the Art Inside Out book is on Amazon. Uh, and so are my kids' books. I have a, a great series of kids' books. Um they're my I want to be series. Uh, I want to be a jazz musician. I want to be a soccer player, marine biologist, archaeologist, and artist. There's, there's the first five. So, you know, there's a lot of books on how to be a police officer and a fireman and nurse. And, and they're great occupations, but they're well covered. So, you know, we got fun hobbies and, and uh, serious occupations, too. So we think that'll do well. And Oh, it's great. Uh, is it, is it, um, if people want to learn anything about it, is there any place they can go online to learn about your book or about what you do? Mm -hmm. Artinsideout.net is my website, artinsideout.net. And, uh, you know, I've got some public things going on. I'm helping out some retirement folks. Uh, I just worked with a 104 year old lady the other day. And she was so cool, um, on a project that we we're doing. And I am uh, doing some drug and alcohol treatment places, and and we're heavily endorsed by by them as well, uh, which is super great. And uh, I'm talking to Cascadia right now. Hopefully, we can get in there and start their Cascadia help. Well, fantastic. Well, we've been talking today with Kirk Charlton with Art Inside Out about uh, bringing art into the prisons. Uh, Kirk, thank you so much for talking to us today on Prison Pipeline. Baby, you understand me now If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad just a soul whose intentions are good Oh Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood You are listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM and k 220 HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. This is a journey into sound. Brought to you in living color on WTDR. I'm Tony Epstein. It's the Magical Mystery Tour. Join us as we dive into the heart of things, exploring new ideas and new ways of seeing and being in this wondrous, crazy world we share together. Lying on your back in the grass, 
You can't see a thing except for the clear blue sky. A few cotton wool clouds 